pop quiz. Someone comes to you and they share negative in- information about another individual. What do you what do you do? How do you respond? You're standing there, you don't know anything about anything. Your friend comes to you and they share something that they think is going on with friends that are mutual to both of you. How are you to respond to that person? Do you have the courage and maybe I should say, do you have the the competence, the courage and the competence to lead that conversation when someone shares something negative to you about another person? Or, the follow-up question, are you more apt to follow along while not being a redemptive solution in your sphere of influence? That's what I want to talk about because this is this is a common occurrence among our relationships. It's a common occurrence in, in the local church. Unfortunately, we can be more passive. We can take more of a spectator role when we see people walking off a cliff. Or we are brought into the situation, which is what I'm dealing with in this podcast. You're not observing this firsthand but you're hearing it secondhand, and now you have been brought into the situation. You're brought into the loop. What are you supposed to do? Well, what you're supposed to do is to be gospel-centered, which means you have to take action. And that's why I talk about the courage and the competence that's needed when someone is gossiping about someone else. And so I've titled the podcast, Practical Wisdom and Courage for Your Gossiping Friends. Here you are, minding your own business, and now you're brought into the loop. Will you be redemptive? Will you be gospel-centered? Will you repent of any fear of man that tries to wrap his tentacles around your mind and take you captive and you take a spectator position as as a, another person is blowing up or a couple is blowing up that you have now heard about. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. And if you want to read this podcast, I would encourage you to do so. Go to our website and, and look for that title, Practical Wisdom and Courage for Your Gossiping Friends. If you're listening to this podcast as it is right after it's being produced here, when you go to our, we have a topical index page on our website. If you go to receive help, hover over it. You don't have to click on it. Just hover over it if you're on your desktop and then click on all articles. And when you click on all articles, you'll get a page that has is full of categories of all of our articles. And in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see a category that says blog roll. If you click on blog roll, it will give you our latest or most current articles. And if you're listening to this as it's being produced here on December the 3rd, 2019, well, it's going to be the first or second article on that list, and it would be an easy way to find it. Or what you could do is just type practical wisdom into the search box. The search box is in the upper right-hand corner in the navigation bar, and if you type the words Practical Wisdom, this article that's titled Practical Wisdom and Courage for Your Gossiping Friends, it will pop up and you can read it. One of the reasons that, well, there's two reasons I want you to read it. One is that I have articles embedded here that will benefit you about this idea of communication, gossip specifically, 
It's vital that you have a theology of gossip, that you understand what gossip is, what it is not, and how to deal with it biblically. And so you want to have a God-centered understanding of gossip. And so I have multiple articles here that will serve you on that topic. And then I have a gossip collage. A gossip collage is I made that up, but I have a mind map. I built a mind map to walk through the gossiping that's going on with a few friends here, a few fictional friends that I'm going to introduce to you in a few moments. And what it is basically is there's someone who is sinning and there's there's six or seven friends that are gossiping about them and nobody's doing anything about that. You ever been in a situation like that? You heard about a couple that is blowing apart and their friends are talking about them, but nobody is engaging them redemptively, biblically to help them. And so what you have is this gossip collage of a whole lot of talking going on, but not a lot of redemptive action. And so you can look at this mind map and it'll give you a good visual of this fictional story that I'm about to share with you. But before I do that, I want to thank all of you that are supporting our ministry. As you know, our ministry goes around the world literally every day. There is a redemptive purpose. There's a redemptive function in technology. There's an echo of omnipresence in technology, meaning from our place here in Greenville, South Carolina, we can wrap the globe because technology is omnipresent in that way. And through the redemptive use of technology, we're able to help hundreds of thousands of people every year as they read our resources, listen to them, watch them, talk to us, interact with us, read our books, etc. We're able to help a lot of people, but we have a lot of expenses. It does cost quite a bit of money to run this ministry and for the people that are working with the ministry, paying them. And for those of you who support the ministry, thank you so much. Someone from um, Jordan Someone from Jordan today uh, gave, made a $20 donation, and thank you so much for doing that. And that's my appeal to you now, because we're in—this is December of 2019, and this is the primary giving season of the entire year for our ministry. More people will give this month than any other time, and that's why I want to put that out there, that if you are able— to either become a recurring or annual supporter of our ministry, or if you want to make a one-time donation like our uh, friend from Jordan did today who gave $20, if you are able to do that, would you do that? We do have quite a few expenses, and we are wrapping up a, a $25,000 website build that hopefully within the next few weeks that it will be uh, over and and we'll we'll have that settled behind us, but there are a lot of expenses and if you're able to donate, uh, I would be most grateful because it helps us not just to maintain what we're doing but to keep up with what God seems to be doing as we are moving into the future as he continues to expand this ministry. And so for those of you who are giving, thank you so much for doing so. Those of you who can, you're able to. If you would, I would really appreciate it. Now, 
the article here, Practical Wisdom and Courage for Gossiping Friends. Let me set it up with a scenario. Bert and Biff were standing at the water cooler at work. Of course, there's, there's not a water cooler. But whenever you want to tell a story about gossip, the water cooler is the traditional metaphorical location. And so we have Bert and Biff. They're standing at the metaphorical water cooler. And Ben just walked by them. Now, when Ben got far enough from Bert and Biff, Biff said that he'd heard from Barry that Ben and Marge were not doing well. Ben and Marge are married. They have been married for a while, but uh, their marriage is not going well. And Barry told Biff about Ben and Marge's marriage not going well. According to Barry, Ben has been flirting with Mabel in the office. They have been staying late at work as well as doing lunch together two times per week. Biff was appalled at what Ben was doing, though it could have been more conjecture than truth. And since Biff was not sure what to do with this new information, he mentioned to Mildred, his wife, what he had heard about, about Ben and Marge and Ben flirting around with Mabel. Mildred was not surprised. She had already surmised that there was something wrong with Ben and Marge's marriage. You see, Mildred heard from Madge that Marge had spilled her guts at the ladies' Bible study. Marge's cathartic moment happened four months ago, and so here we have Mildred sitting on this information that she heard from Madge for four months, and she did not share with Biff that information. All of these people in this gossip collage are friends. They all attend the same church, and they have known each other for 3 to 17 years. None of them know for sure if Ben and Mabel are having an affair. Everything that they have discussed falls in the realm of uncharitable judging. Uncharitable judging is observing others without love, grace, or objective evidence. Let me walk through this gossip collage Again, and again, I have a mind map here that lays all of this out so that you can see it. Ben and Marge are married. They have been married for a while, but they have not gotten along for many years. Ben works with Mabel, and Ben and Mabel have been going to lunch together two times a week. Ben and Mabel have also been staying late working in the office. Barry has observed this, and so Barry told Biff that Ben and Mabel were having an affair. Barry told Biff that at the water cooler. Biff told Bert that he heard from Barry that Ben was flirting with Mabel from the office, and so now Bert, Biff is sharing with Bert what Barry told him. You see, Biff was angry at what Barry said to him about Ben. And so Biff went home and he shared this information with his wife, Mildred. And when he shared the information with Mildred, she was not surprised because she had known for four months that there was something wrong with Ben and Marge's marriage because Madge told Mildred that Marge had spilled the beans at the ladies' Bible study. 
And so now you're one of these individuals here. Let's say that you are Biff, and Barry comes to you, and he shares with you about Ben and Mabel flirting around in the office. I want to give you four things to think about when this happens. Now, this has already happened to you. If you're old enough, meaning you're, let's say, older than eight years old, someone has come to you and they have shared negative, negative information about another person. If you're eight years old and you have siblings, well, that probably has happened within your family. If you're in a local church, which many of you are, that has definitely happened within your local church. If you live in a, uh, you have a family, and we have just gone through the Thanksgiving season, well, again, it, this has happened to all of us. And so here are four practical things for you to think about. And I want you to ponder over this, and how would you respond? Here are four tips. Number one, ask the person who told you the bad news if they have talked to the person in question. Now you can see why I titled the podcast Practical Wisdom and Courage for Your Gossiping Friends because you're going to have to decide, am I going to crawl up and sit in the bleachers and become a spectator to what's going on here, which is basically what Barry and, and Biff and Bert and Mildred and Madge are all doing? Are you going to do that? Or are you going to stand up and, and demonstrate the courage of Christ in this situation by being redemptive? And one of the ways that you will do that is you will ask that person, have you, have you talked to that person? In this case, have you talked to Ben about what you are observing between him and Mabel? Think about the repercussions of that. You see, if Ben and, marriage, ben and Marge's marriage is blowing apart, and he is in reality having some kind of an affair, that he's flirting around with Mabel, think about the redemptive possibilities that could happen by going after this and, and trying to be a solution to it rather than a spectator, but it will take courage. Unfortunately, too often in situations like this, the kryptonite is fear of man. People have no backbone, and they're more likely going to go talk to someone else about what they're observing rather than dealing with the, the, the situation directly. And so the first practical tip when someone shares negative information with you, Ask them if they have talked to the person in question. Number two, if they have not talked to that person, appeal to them to do so. Ask them to share with that person what they have shared with you. Now, I will caveat this in a moment because there are some times in certain situations to where the person who knows the information can't share and shouldn't share with the person directly, that they need to get somebody else involved. And I'll caveat that in just a moment. But in this case, in a vacuum, you want to ask them, number one, have they talked to the person? Number two, if they have not, you ask them to share with them what they have shared with you. Number three, guard your heart against believing what you don't know to be true. It's really bad when you're brought into this situation where someone is gossiping about another person 
Now you have this narrative in your mind that's been placed in your mind by a gossiping person. And if you don't mortify your mind, there will be a temptation to judge that person uncharitably. Let me give you an illustration of this. This happened to me. It happens to me regularly, but there was one situation in particular where I had to confront the person who was gossiping with me. A lady came to me in church and she said something Uh, She was gossiping about our pastor, our mutual pastor. I didn't know this about the pastor, and so I was out of the information loop, and she brought me into it by sharing this negative information about the pastor. And so I asked her, I said, well, have you talked to him about this? And she had not. And And she gave me an excuse as to why she wouldn't, and it was not a great, it was an excuse is what it was. And I appealed to her. I said, you need to go talk to him about this. She didn't want to do that. And I said, well, here's the situation. You have shared with me something that I don't know to be true. And so you have brought me into this situation. And I just can't, I can't let it stand at that. And so either you need to talk to him or I need to go share with him what you shared so that we can bring reconciliation to this. Because a person's always right. The first person who presents the case is always right and the other person's wrong. But then when you go talk to the other person, you gain a different story and you gain clarity. And so I told her, if you're not going to talk to him, then I need to go share with him. So I just need for you to know that she was upset by that. She was visibly upset by that. And I went and I talked to the pastor and I said, this is what so-and-so said. I just need a little bit of clarity. I wasn't looking for this information. I wasn't on any kind of a hunt. I was just minding my own business. And she came and shared this about you. Now, the end of the story is, is that six of us, the pastor and his wife, this lady and her husband and Rick and Lucia, Lucia, my wife, we six got together in my living room and we hashed it out and there was forgiveness and uh, there was repentance that, that went both ways, and it was a, a beautiful, redemptive conclusion uh, to that. Unfortunately, this lady uh, had other issues, and things became more complicated a little bit later on. But in that moment, it came to a nice, redemptive conclusion, and if she were a humble lady, it would have stayed that way. But she was a gossiping lady. And so you want to ask them, point, uh, point number three, you guard against believing what you don't, don't know to be true. Because if you don't mortify your mind, there will be a temptation to believe a, a narrative that you haven't explored. And if you're brought into the situation the way the gossiping lady brought me into the situation about our pastor, well, then uh, you're going to have to interact with that. Then number four, Follow up with the person who told you the bad news to make sure they have talked to the person in question. And I've done that several times as well. Someone came to me, they share information about another person, and I ask them, well, you need to go and you need to go talk to them and you need to work this out. And then I follow up with them a day or two or a week or two later to make sure that it was done. And then depending on how that conversation goes, Uh, There may be more work for you to do, but this is four practical tips to think about when someone comes to you and they share information about another person. Now, here's the caveat that I was talking about earlier. It does not have to be wrong for a person to share information about someone else. And what they disclose does not have to be gossip. See, there are two ditches here. You have some people that are just... Gossipers and slanderers. 
and they have no social filter. They'll say whatever they want to say about an individual. You'll see this on Facebook. I, I've seen this regularly on Facebook, and and it's one of the reasons that I have somebody monitoring Facebook so that we can delete that stuff off our Facebook page because we're just I'm not going to be promoting someone else's sinfulness, and if they have something gossipy or slandery to say about another person, we'll just delete it. But you have people on, on that ditch, uh, on that side of things, where they just share whatever, whenever, and, and it's just wrong. But then you'll have other people on the other side who are paranoid. For whatever reason, they're insecure, they're fearful people who believe that anything they share about someone and that person is not in their presence at the moment, that is gossip, and that is simply not true. Pastors can train their people, and I've seen this. I've seen authoritarian pastors train their people that if they say anything critical about him or anything critical about the church, it's automatically labeled as gossip, and that is it's, it's wrong. It's unbiblical. It is just unbiblical, and it creates so much of a problem within the congregation. But for whatever reason, some people believe that if they share anything critical about anyone and it's not in their presence, it's wrong. When it comes to relationships, it's not possible, and it's not practical to keep from talking about folks who are not part of that conversation. Let me give you a couple of examples. For example, if, if the person with the news does not know what to do with the information, or they are afraid to approach the potential wrongdoer, they may share what they know with an appropriate person because they won't help. Now, there's a lot in what I just said. It's a long sentence. But they don't know what to do with the information. They sincerely, genuinely don't know what to do. Or they are afraid to approach the wrongdoer, and you'll see this in, in many marriages, troubled marriages, that is, especially with the wife. The wife will, she, she's afraid to share or to go to her husband and confront her husband about whatever he is doing, and that is legitimate. And, and it would be, it's unfair, it's unsafe in many cases to demand that she confront her husband or talk to her husband uh, when her husband uh, can react in some serious adverse ways. And so if a person sincerely doesn't know what to do with the information, or they are afraid, and it could be potentially dangerous to approach the person, to confront the person, then they go to an appropriate individual, and, and it's an appropriate individual, not an inappropriate individual, meaning you don't get on Facebook and, and, and gossip about whatever terrible thing is going on in your life. No, you talk to someone appropriately. It's someone who can help. The person they share the information with should be a person that, that has the competence, the courage, the compassion to walk through that. That individual must be more than a sympathetic ear. They can't be just a receptacle for gossip. They can't be a receptacle for negative information. They need to be more than a sympathetic ear. They need to be able to disciple you and, and handle, to help handle the situation, to help you handle the situation. And so there are reasons, there are, are perfectly good reasons that a person was not, would not deal directly with the individual who may be doing something wrong. Or the person who shares the information, they need to make sure that their motives are free from sin. They desire to find a resolution to the issue at hand. 
for whatever reason, they're not able to talk to the person who is doing something wrong, but they have a redemptive desire to help. And so people share details with me about others regularly. I don't know if it happens every day, but it happens regularly. And I don't struggle with this unless the person is merely doing it to gossip or slander about somebody. If you're just doing it to gossip or slander, then I have to confront you. But if your desire is to help another person, then it doesn't have to be gossip or slander. It is intellectually dishonest to say that it's always wrong to talk about someone else who is not present in that conversation. If that were true, biblical counseling would pretty much cease to exist because we are regularly hearing information about people who are not in the office at that moment. Nobody can entirely refrain from talking about others. You probably talked about someone outside of your presence today, for example. We pray for folks all the time. The primary issue is not about talking about someone behind their back, but the motive for talking about someone. The vital question is, why are you talking about them? Barry, Bert, and Biff were gossiping about Ben, Marge, and Mabel. Ben is married to Marge, and he's flirting with Mabel. And Barry, Bert, and Biff were gossiping about that. Mildred was not gossiping or slandering but she did not love Ben or Marge well because she was harboring, she was sitting on potential damaging information for four months and was not doing anything about it. If this story were true, the displeasure of God would be great toward these friends. And I would put friends in quotation marks because of their poor stewardship of the relationships. Barry should have gone to Ben. He was the first person to observe this. And rather than going to Biff, gossiping to Biff, Barry should have gone to Ben and asked him about his lunches and late work hours with Mabel. It would not matter at that point if Ben were in sin. The issue is not whether Ben was in sin The most at that point. The most significant thing during this early stage would be Barry loving his brother enough to inquire about what he thought he knew even if his information was incorrect. It's okay for him to be incorrect. But if you think this, in this case, it would have been wise for Barry to go directly to Ben and not to Biff. If Barry was wrong about an affair, well, then he could appeal to Ben about his lack of wisdom in going to lunch alone with a woman who is not his wife. He could talk to Ben about his lack of discernment in hanging out with another man's wife after hours. Biff should not have let Barry, uh, Biff should have let Barry know that he had a responsibility to do something about the information that he shared. So when Barry didn't go to Ben, but he went and gossiped to Biff about Ben, then Biff, it was his turn, and Biff should have let Barry know about the information. He should have asked him, what was he going to do about it? Barry, what are you going to do about this? Biff should envision Barry about going to Ben to get to the bottom of it all then Biff would need to follow up. This is what I was talking about earlier. You follow up with Barry in a week or two to see how it went. Now, if Barry refused to talk to Ben, Biff could let Barry know that, well, he will go to Ben to get to the bottom of what he shared. And this is what I was sharing earlier about the lady who came and was gossiping about our pastor, and she didn't want to do this, and so I let her know that I would be going to the pastor so that we could get to the bottom of it all, which we eventually did. And then there's Mildred. 
Mildred should have talked to Madge about Marge's cathartic moment in a similar way in which Biff needed to talk to Barry. And, and Mildred should also speak to Biff, her husband. She should have went to her husband about what she heard from Madge, and she should appeal to Biff to help her think rightly about what was shared and so, so they could work together to figure out a best way to help their friends. You, there are some husbands and wives that don't talk about these things because they, they think it's gossip. They are one flesh. And if Lucia was in a Bible study and Madge came to Lucia and, and told about Marge having a cathartic moment, well, I would expect Lucia to talk to me about that so that we could collaborate and walk through how we can be christ to this couple, be Christ to uh, Ben and Marge. The title of the podcast is Practical Wisdom and Courage for Helping Your Gossiping Friends. I have some application questions under the call to action, and I would want you to go to the our website and look for that article, and you can read this. But I'm not going to give you all the questions, but one of them I, I will. Are you tempted to talk to someone else rather than the one who needs your care. Rather going directly to a person where you're observing things, you think you know something, and you have a relationship with them. It's not a stranger, but you have a relationship with this person. Are you attempted to go left or right and talk to somebody else rather than going directly to them? And if you are, what does that say about your love for that person? And what does that say about your relationship with God? Please take the time to read the other questions under the call to action. Feel free to share this article with others, and I hope that it will become a healthy conversation, especially among your group of friends. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.